Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the Cajun Libertarian Live. I am your host, the Cajun Libertarian, and I love having each and every single one of y'all here tonight as we have a phenomenal guest coming up. Most of you know him and love him. If you don't know him, you're about to, and you're going to love him. We have a special guest on tonight, Tom for 52.com, Thomas Daniel Queter on the Cajun Libertarian Live as we talk about his run for the state senate in the 52nd district of New York next on the Cajun Libertarian Live. Welcome back. Let's get right into it. Laura Province, K2 Realty. Your home is your sanctuary. As a second generational real estate agent, Laura Province knows the importance of helping her clients navigate through the home buying and or selling process. Whether you're buying or you're selling your first home, a second investment property, or seeking the dream retirement residence, you will have a seamless experience with K2 Realty. So please contact Laura Province. She is uh, based in Louisiana, but if you're in the uh, East Texas, West Mississippi area, I imagine that she can help you out there as well. Vid Debate. Vid Debate is a very hot new online app that is gaining a lot of traction very fast. It's got a lot of really great feedback. And it was designed by a libertarian right here in the state party, right here in the state of Mississippi, who is the vice chair of the Libertarian Party. So, Vid Debate app. Oh, his name, by the way, is Brian Lamar. Vid Debate app is designed to give us give users the ability to use their God-given right of free speech to post up three-minute videos on the topic of the day. Every day, Vid Debate will post a question in the hopes to draw strong opinions from all sides of a range of topics from pop culture to politics. So please check out that app. It is becoming very popular very fast. Joel gets for mayor. What East Stroudsburg needs? Joel gets. Joel gets for mayor of East Stroudsburg. Oh, sorry, East Stroudsburg. So what is Joel gets most important question of the day? Good question. I have no idea. So I'll make it up for him today on Joel gets most important question of the day is Thomas Daniel Queter, the man for the 52nd district of New York state. The answer is obviously yes. We have one more sponsor. I know, right? These are getting very, uh, sponsors are getting very large and deep. That's what she said. Uh, one more, right? I don't know who this guy is, but he, uh, he pays me to talk about him. And so I do that. I don't know that he's fit for the 52nd District of New York State. Ah, who's kidding? I am. Of course he is. Tom for 52.com. T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Thomas Daniel Queter. There's no quitting. Queter. Thomas Daniel Queter for Senate. New York State 52nd District. He's coming on 
right now. So without further ado, let's bring him on, Thomas and Quita. What's happening, my friend? Hey, Cajun, how's it going? Uh, it's uh, it's actually storming worse right now than it did during the hurricane, but it's fine. It's going good. That sounds fun. I'm jealous. Yeah, yeah, you should be. How's it going with you? <laughs> oh, not too bad. You know, good, bad, ugly, libertarian. That's the that's the standard response anymore. <laughs> Congratulations right? to Sunny, by the way. She won last month's meme contest. She did. She did. She did. So um, if you don't know, uh, you're going to have another meme contest coming out soon, right? It started today, actually. It starts on the first of every month. Excellent. Yeah. And where can people find that? Would that possibly be by some uh, unknowingly chance, Tom for 52com backslash FTG? That is exactly where to go. Uh, I'll let you all use your imaginations on what FTG stands for. We are libertarians. Um, but it's a fun little thing to do. Me, me. Uh, find my pictures anywhere you can. Instagram, uh, Facebook, website. Maybe maybe put some policy in there or, or make a good joke about New York. Hey, there's Joel. I know Joel. <laughs> I've hung out with Joel. Joel waved signs from my campaign one day. That's fantastic. I gotta address this real quick before we go any further, just because uh tech stuff is always an issue. Carrie says, Am I the only one that can't hear? Pam says I have no issues, so possibly. So if anybody else is having audio issues, please let us know in the comment section. Is it me? Is it him? Is it both? Or is everything okay? And maybe it's just an issue on Carrie's end. Either way, we want to get it fixed just fine so so was, was, she, they, was she asking from a specific platform that others were not uh facebook no all the comments usually come in from facebook we got we have a few that come in from youtube and twitter and you know other profiles as well um so if others are saying facebook, probably her it's quite possible so, you know, let's be honest with folks. You and I know each other. Yes. We, we, we talk pretty regular, do we not? We do, all the time, actually. So, so nothing that I say is going to be a surprise to Cajun. Um, and, and, you know, we, we were talking about what we would talk about tonight. And the first thing I'd like to talk about, actually, is volunteerism. Cajun knows what I do. I'm a disabilities advocate. I... I I'm referred to, or I reach out to, or I'm found by those who are not helped by the system. They're not getting what they need, or they got kicked off the system for a technical error, but they are still in need. Um, this particular instance is for Bill Snyder, and I believe we have a link to put up in the comments. It's we already have, there. All right. We have a fundraiser going for Bill Snyder. He's a Northern Pennsylvania Libertarian. Uh, probably going to stop to see him in a couple of weeks on my way down to another libertarian event in Pennsylvania for Liz Twilliger, whom he happens to support and volunteer for. He, he's also been a volunteer for the fire department since he was 11 years old, uh, despite having been born with CP and developing epilepsy. I, that, that's wrong, Eskimo. That's wrong. Um, <laughs> my cheeks may be more adorable, but yours is definitely chubbier. Um, 
so Bill's a good guy, right? He volunteers everywhere. Um, he uses a mobility scooter to navigate his town where he lives so that he can volunteer and so that he can do the things that you have to do in life. You go to the store. He is a father of four, so he has responsibilities. But his, his scooter got hit by a car in a parking lot. But he was not harmed, uh, or at least not terribly harmed. But the scooter was. It, it's not performing anymore. Um, it's kind of on its last legs. And he needs to be able to get around, not, not only so he can volunteer for his community, as he always has, but so he can be a father and do the things right. the fathers need to do. Now, he has picked out his own solution, which outside the systems only costs about $3,500. And we're trying to raise that money for him. See, people forget that not everything that the government does has to be done by the government. We can do a lot of that ourselves. Whether, right. whether you're whether you're doing the landscaping in your local park or you're you're helping someone attain a mobility device that they need to live. We can do this. Um, statistically, those of us in the United States are rated the most generous, generous population on earth. Fact. Um, Fact. We, we give more money per capita than any other nation on earth. So, I, I truly believe that we need to start focusing more locally, more individually with our generosity and our time because you, you can make such a big difference. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up with the principle that a dollar saved was as good as $2 earned because you're not taxed on yep. money you save. You're not spending gas money, right? So many factors go into that. So if we can save our our culture or our, our society or our town, our community, a dollar, we're just good as two earned, in my opinion. So we, when we save the system or we save an individual, as good as twice as much earned. Um, Bill is is even farther beyond that in value because of his attitude, because of who he is, because of his giving nature. Despite the hardship that he comes from, all he wants to do is help people. Um, and, and that's why we need to donate to Bill Snyder's crowdfund for his mobility scooter. If you, if you have it in your heart to give five or ten dollars or more please do so uh, we got a third of the way there in just a couple of weeks just just two, two rounds of promotion and uh, with you with your guys's help we can you know get some more donations maybe you can share the link it's very important when you're crowdfunding to to get people to share that link around because if you don't ask for help you don't get help and that's right that's right and that's that's what if a, a crowdfunding is right it, the GoFundMe account and the platform for that is to ask for help. But in order for that to work, it's got to be seen. If you don't see it, you're not asked the question, will you help Bill Snyder? So the more people who see that link, if you share that around, 
but if you post it in some comments somewhere, the more people that will donate that 5 or $10 and the faster we'll get there so that Bill can have his life back the way he needs it to be. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And I will, uh, I'll piggyback off of that, and just let you know that um, all of you do know that with the things that have gone on in Louisiana here as of late with Hurricane Ida, there's a massive effort of volunteerism. R remind you, and I'm gonna go into the greater detail on Friday, just to follow up with the Hurricane Ida special. That those people are are immediately on the ground right now. They're the ones. Uh, saving lives. They're the ones distributing goods and needs, not the government. It is all yeah. volunteerism and they are highly, highly successful at it. Can I ask you, when did they form and why? So um, it, it is kind of a weird scenario, right? There were, there were a lot of people, not weird, but it, a strange scenario, I guess. There were a lot of people that formed and band together for volunteerism during the Katrina efforts, but it wasn't organized. And then when it, uh, a lot of people don't know this, in 2016, two weeks after my son was born, who's now five, there was a the largest flood in Louisiana history. And that's when random people decided, and it was not a hurricane, it was not a tropical storm, it was just a random rain. So there was no uh, expectancy, right? There was not a whole lot of, hey, this is coming. It was just like, holy crap, this is happening right now. And people just started launching boats out of gas station parking lots and anywhere they, they could launch boats out of that was safe. And they were going and res rescuing people out of their houses and delivering foods, goods, and services to them. That's so wait a, minute, wait, wait a minute. Isn't that what our government is supposed to do? Isn't that what they always tell us no. they're doing? In, no, in no, natural, I mean, don't they always message that they're helping? So, yes. They always say that. They never do that so this is another instance of people saying government didn't do what we paid them to do let's do it ourselves and i'm gonna go ahead and guess they're probably doing it better uh much better much more efficient much more quickly the response is faster the response is more effective thank you joel gets go ahead yes thank you joel thank you joel um i do need to address something real quick joel you are phenomenal uh, thank you so much. You 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 deserve to be the mayor of East Stroudsburg, and your donations and your volunteerism is fantastic. But I heard I heard that Joel wants to turn. Oh, <laughs> I heard that Joel uh, wants to yeah. turn every every parking meter into a gumball machine. That would be fantastic, and actually not a bad idea. Very satirical. But still a great idea, and uh, that's going to go over a lot of people's heads. So, Joel, you are amazing, dude. Thank you for donating to the show. Thank you for donating to um, to this campaign for volunteerism. But for this comment, you are banned from the show. I will still run your ads, but you are banned from the show. Ah, we both know you're kidding. You're not going to ban Joel. <laughs> no, he's Joel, awesome. stop. You know what? I'm not going to go into detail, but I will tell you that Joel has the best dinner table sense of humor I've ever run into. That's amazing. He's got a great sense of humor. He does. It wouldn't. It does not surprise me that the two of you linked up with you know um, symmetrical senses of humor. That's for sure. Yeah, he came to one of my campaign events last cycle, and you know me, 
I feed people. So everybody came back to the house and I had some venison and some bacon. Oh, there is a link pinned in the comments, Janice. Yes, there are actually many links in the comments. Um, okay, so before I ban Joel Gets from the show, let me ask you this real quick. Uh, do you prefer turkey bacon or regular bacon? Me? Yes. So, um, well, it depends on what you're calling turkey bacon. Because I make turkey bacon. It's actually slices. It's not extruded turkey byproduct. Um, that's good. I will not eat it from the store. Uh, but I actually prefer beef bacon to anything. Mm. Okay. That took an odd turn. Right? Hey, uh, a lot of people don't know. And this is why we always end up making jokes about Canadian bacon being ham. Um, the definition of bacon is not what part of animal or animal it comes from. It's the process it's been through to be cured. So technically, any meat can be bacon. You and I could be bacon. Hmm. That sounds reasonable. I thought you were about to go on a, a, a little bit more rant there, so I soloed you. <laughs> Excuse me. Hey, who doesn't so, um, so once again, Joe Gitz is banned from the show. I, you know, he's not wrong, though. He ate my roadkill, and he loved it. He's not wrong. I'm a good cook, but I'm not I'm not Tom for fifty-two.com a good cook. So so to the, to the uh, note of volunteerism, one of the things I want to do this next cycle with my campaign is actually distribute information on how people can do things for themselves and their communities and each other and try to help turn the tide from the other direction. I mean one we can give people better lives just by trying. We don't need to do anything with the government to do that. Two, Thanks. Um, anything we do ourselves that the government would otherwise pay for is going to save us money. Um, three, it's the right thing to do. We all know that helping your neighbor is the right thing to do. Problem is that today we all don't always have time or money or resources. And that's why that's how the government actually gets in the way of us doing for ourselves. Um, but there's still stuff we can do. We do it all the time. I mean, every time you see a chicken barbecue for someone who's got medical expenses, uh, every time you see a, a raffle or a fundraiser for something, that's volunteerism. That's very libertarian. I want you to remember that. Every time you donate to a good cause in your community, that's community-based and community-funded to help an individual or a group of individuals or do something good for the community, every time you voluntarily do that, you're doing something that is extremely libertarian. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's what we, a lot of people don't understand the philosophy behind volunteerism. Um, they, they, there's this growing notion it's not growing. It's it's embedded because of media that we're a uh, we're a, a group. We are a people, and I mean nationwide, uh, across all political spectrums. That we're very selfish people, and we only care about ourselves. But the math doesn't match that. As you succinctly put it at the very beginning of the episode, 
we are the most generous country in the world. And so what we need to do is, or what I would like to see us do, I don't like to say the word need there because it sounds authoritarianism. It sounds authoritarian, authoritative, whatever adjective or adverb you want to put there. Um, But what we should do, what what the right thing to do is to put our best foot forward and to try to, uh, just like with Bill, and if you missed it, the uh, the link for, to GoFundMe for Bill, and we, I think we did a we did two clubhouse um, shows where Bill raised several hundred dollars in just that little tiny bit of time, and now we got donations rolling in for Bill. So again, we're talking about something that's very close to you because you are in a wheelchair with upside down feet. That's the only joke I'm gonna make about that. It's not a joke. I'm gonna show you. They're actually upside down. Not a joke. Nice. But they work. That that's legit. They do work, but they are upside down. They do facts work. are facts. Facts are facts. Joel, I don't know. Uh, Joel is all up in the comment section as usual, just driving the algorithm. He knows what he's doing. He is uh, putting himself out there. Miss Cajun Libertarian is greater than Cajun Libertarian. That's a fact. Yeah, Cajun. I don't know, but it's probably close. For fifty bucks, <laughs> can you have a Thomas Daniel Queter leg? Um, you you can rent one for thirty seconds. You can rent. One. <laughs> he says that was much better than Pornhub. All right, so now that things have gotten weird, You're uh, welcome. Because of Joel gets Joel gets for mayor of East Stroudsburg. Thank you, Joel. For, uh, for mayor, he'll make things weird. He'll... <laughs> whatever Joel wants, whatever East Stroudsburg needs, Joel gets it weird. So there's your new slogan, Joel. And so with keeping with the conversation of... <laughs> he said, that's all I need, baby. Uh, <laughs> with volunteerism, how, how much we've seen... Uh, I know we didn't cover this in our talking points, but I really want for those of us or, you know, obviously I know, but for the people that don't your wheelchair, which is, which you just backed up and is phenomenal and absolutely perfect for you. Thank you. Yep. Great show. It is rugged. It has a suspension. It's comfortable. It's the most decked out wheelchair I've ever had. And it was voluntary, voluntarily crowdfunded by libertarians um, for a total with shipping and trading from Texas, six and a half thousand dollars, as opposed to the state's version of a wheelchair that they offered me, which was terrible. Um, the seating was not appropriate, did not have good suspension, would have led to my injury and, and going to the bed. But there, there's no arguing that. Um, and the state would have paid $19,000 for that. So, wow. Volunteerism saved the taxpayers $12,500 and gave me a solution that's arguably a minimum of 10 times better. Than what the state would have provided for three times the money. Now that that's impressive enough, is it not? I mean that that's really impressive, right? Very, 
But yeah. well, it, gets, it gets better. It gets much better. This is like an infomercial. Not only did we save you two-thirds of that money, not only is it a 10 times better solution, but instead of taking two years, it only took two months. The state takes almost two years here in New York to provide a custom wheelchair within the realms of what people like me would need or people in similarly individual situations. Um, this was crowdfunded, created, shipped, and modified for my needs perfectly and explicitly in two months. Now, here's the interesting thing about New York system. Remember, I, I just say it takes up to two years, mostly takes close to two years to get a decent wheelchair through New York systems. And that's if you're lucky enough to be overinsured. <clears throat> In New Mexico, I have a friend who has a similarly severe disability. He's also a disabilities advocate, much like myself. New Mexico, the Gary Johnson state, six weeks. Tom saying, I need a wheelchair to receiving the wheelchair he needed, six weeks. Why is it six weeks in New Mexico and nearly two years in New York? Uh, I don't I can't, uh so it was six years in new six, mexico two years six, six weeks, weeks in new mexico two years in new york state yes you don't have through. an answer i feel yeah. like i have an answer it's got to be bureaucracy it's got to be bureaucracy that was my answer <laughs> yeah i mean what else in government slows things down that badly um over regulation over overburdensome requirements the, the number of doctor's appointments you have to go to, the number of people who have to look at you and say you're disabled. Um, that, that That's a huge expense. That's beyond that $19,000 that I talked about. Right. That's a huge burden on the individual who needs the wheelchair to be carted around all those doctor's appointments if you're in a bad way. Nobody wants to do that when they feel like that. Not at all. And so um, there, there's some comments from Joel again, but I, I can't repeat them. But he's right on one of them. Uh, New York is a, a complete. So just just for people that don't fully understand, when we hear about uh, Republicans and Democrats that they, they want to preach that they care about people, they don't. They don't. They put in all of this red tape, bureaucracy, um, re regulate regulatory laws that make it next to impossible for people like Tom and people like Bill and people like Tanya's dad. Um, they they need actual help, and and I can I could literally go on and on about how volunteers have habitually stepped in and and crowdfunded and given their services, their time, their effort, their money, and because of bureaucratic red tape from the right and the left, 
that it just gets right in the way, right in the way. And I, I'm not even qualified to talk about this. Tom is, though. Yeah, so it's an interesting dynamic. <clears throat> what is help and what is welfare? And are they the same thing? Yep, Joel's got it. Um, yep. You know, we, we failed to realize that a lot of this help that the government gives. I mean, first they got to take so that they can provide it, and that's wrong. But that's another yeah. argument. Um, when you, when you loan your neighbor a hundred dollars, do you restrict his rights because he took that hundred dollars that you offered him? Do you, do you restrict his constitutional rights? A normal, sane human being would say, no, I've given you the $100. You can do with it what you will. Yes. Um, well, in our country, and particularly in states like New York and others, um, all forms of welfare, including disability welfare, um, come with restrictions to your rights. Um, your income is limited, which limits pretty much everything else in life. That's right. Your choices for healthcare are limited. Your choices for treatment are limited. Why why are we limiting people when it comes to their happiness? Because it doesn't benefit them politically. Correct. Um, when you keep see, so what I get on welfare comes with healthcare, and that keeps me alive what i need to become or make without that is over here and the cutoff where i lose the health care and could no longer stay alive is somewhere in the middle and that that's my situation right it's death uh, a lot of people it, it may not be death but it's definitely suffering it's definitely harder nobody makes that choice in that direction they don't choose to make it harder they don't choose to die and so then you're stuck over here on welfare with your rights restricted being seen as a second class citizen by everyone right i mean those yep. on the left per se might might see you as less because you need help you're pitiful and those on the right might see you as less because well you're taking from them that's how they feel that's what they're told that's what they're messaged all by propaganda the, by the right, right um when the reality is most of what's taken from them is actually wasted before it gets to the people who need it facts we, we need to start thinking of the things we expect our government to do as investments and whether they're good or bad investments many of our systems waste a lot of money on bureaucracy and i have to i'm going to ask you a question cajun i gotta ask you a question let's pretend i'm a stockbroker right i'm a stockbroker you know and work with and i call you up one day and i say you know this this stock is going to tank tomorrow. It's going to be worth about 80% of, of what it is today. And you should buy it today. Are you going to buy it today? Probably not. Right, because it sounds like a bad investment, right? That's right. Because because you, you just told you 20% of it's going to disappear. Every time we ask to pay taxes to a government to provide a service for us, at least 20% is typically wasted. 
we're asking for a bad investment because we don't want to do the work ourselves. Why don't we want to do the work ourselves? Because we're working like crazy to pay taxes. Yep. So I, you know, I want to, I want to see a a voluntary action movement from those on welfare. I want to, if you're on welfare, if you're, if you're in that spot, if you're stuck, volunteer. There you go, Joel. I'll do anything to help a guy who needs help. Facts. <laughs> um, you know, this is my situation. I didn't think a lot of people feel the same way. When you're stuck, I love it. You're bored. What do I do with myself? Where's my purpose? Is it Netflix? Is it, it, is it, is it watching YouTube? It, it, is it listening to the radio? Do I, do I want to get stuck in Sudoku for the next six months? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants any of that. That's not a purpose in life. Find a purpose. Find something you can do to help. Help your neighbor. Help the person you live with. Help someone over the internet. Crowdfund. Learn to crowdfund. Help people with crowdfunding. Um, you will network. You will make connections. You will gain opportunities. You may even find a way off of welfare by doing this. But most importantly, you'll be adding in a value to, to help fight against the very system that's holding you down. If you become a movement of voluntarism, if you become a movement of saying, the government's not going to force me to waste my time. Maybe they're not allowing me to have the income that I would need to survive, but my time is mine and they cannot tax my time. I could do with my time what I want to do. And that's why I'm in the Libertarian Party, because it's an opportunity for purpose to apply my time and value to the world. Well, everybody's got a way they can do that. That's absolutely right. And that's a, I'm glad you landed right there because um, <laughs> that, that even if your time is just even if your value is just um hitting the share button right if it's just yeah. copying the link to bill's situation or tom for 52.com and sharing it out or sharing this um podcast then, then that's valuable to a lot of people even making eyes funny, in, even making funny memes of me for the contest is right. value it's helpful it's, it's very helpful. Every bit of information. This is all volunteers, and this is what we do. This is why the um, the people of America have become the number one uh, leader when it comes to volunteerism and generosity is because we do care. We care about each other. We care about our fellow citizens. One step, one foot in, four, one foot in front of the other, even if it's just a share or a Hey, you know, a, a random conversation. Had I, I watched this this idiot Cajun libertarian talk to this amazing guy Thomas Daniel Queter, and, and they're gonna they're doing great things. Make that happen. Sometimes that's all it takes because it, you never know who it might affect, and that's a fact. You never Sorry. know who might decide to donate twenty thousand dollars. I'm gonna say one of Cajun's most 
favorite things to hear me say. That's Whatever's right. in front of you, that's the thing you can do. Do the thing. Do the thing you can do. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's now and sometimes it's tomorrow. It really doesn't matter if it's in front of you and it's the thing you can do. That's the thing to do. Just don't do nothing. Always do something. Joe, sharing is caring. Absolutely. You can share this video. You can share the direct link for the GoFundMe. And you can talk about it a little bit in your own words. That really helps. You know, people trust the people they know. So it's, it's interesting, right? I'm always telling people, if you really want to help a GoFundMe, don't just share the link. Read it. Understand it. Say a few of your own words when you share. That's right. Absolutely. Um, Joel gets you are thrice banned from the show. He's not wrong. No, doesn't Minor matter. G. Still banned. He's <laughs> <laughs> still banned. Um, so one one thing that we're we're struggling with down here that is banned, and you you guys are doing a little bit better of um of a job up there in your state. That's a good point, Eskimo. I need to show this. Division of labor is important to avoid burnout. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, delegation is 100% a real thing that needs to be had, especially top down. That's a rare thing to say because usually what we like to do and, and push forward is bottom up. But when it comes to delegation or division of labor, you know, allowing people that are wanting to help you out to spread the message, that is extraordinarily important. Thank you, Eskimo. You know, I, I, I add to that. Um, so, you know, division of labor. But let's think about this GoFundMe link for a minute. What is the purpose of it? What are we doing with it? We're trying to show it to everybody. We're trying to show it to as many people as possible because anybody has the chance of looking at that, reading it, and deciding, I got 10 bucks I can throw in. That's right. And so, so if you share it, you're doing the work. You've taken the delegated work. You, you've, you've decided, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm joining Team Bill. I'm going to be on Bill's team. I'm going to share this. I'm going to say something nice. If I find myself in a situation to donate, maybe I will. But I'm absolutely going to do something because it's easy. It's in front of me. It's the thing to do. Do the thing that's in front of you. And, and share Bill's GoFundMe. Join Team Bill. Yep. Do the thing. Whatever that thing is that's right there in front of us right now, do that thing. People are going to judge us anyway. Who cares? How do you, I, that's the exact philosophy that, look, let me be honest. This is how I jumped into this situation in the first place, right? I, I'm, I'm barely brand new to the libertarian liberty movement. Very brand new. Six months, brand new. But I was asked to do a thing. And I said, you know what? I'm probably equipped to do this thing. If I'm not, I'm going to try it anyway. And so I decided to do the thing. And we have literally raised a couple of thousand dollars, if not more, for several, several volunteers organizations, including what we're doing tonight with you for Tom for 52com and for Bill. We want to raise him money. 
We need to raise you money as well. So whatever that thing is that is in front of you, just do the thing. Just do it. Don't worry about the backlash. Um, that's easier for me to say sitting in front of the microphone and camera. But again, I urge you that this is all very brand new. I so, was asked to do a thing, and now we decided to do this thing. So do whatever the thing is in front of you. And, and how many followers do you have now? Uh, my Facebook page, I have right at 18,000, uh, probably a little bit over 20,000 on all my socials. In six months? In six months. Because there was a thing to do, and it was in front of you, and so you yep. did it. Yep, and I did it, and I, I, I sought support, I sought help, I knew this wouldn't, this was not going to be easy, but I knew it was important, Wait, and I got the help you, that was needed. Did you, did you have to ask for help to do this thing? Did you network and receive voluntary assistance from other people to do the thing that you wanted to do? It's weird, right? It's almost as if I just went ahead and asked some people that I knew were very great. My wife, number one, Carly Rose, Astro Greer Smoot, Brian Ramsey. Yeah, uh, that happened. That's how I got here. I learned to network. Well, I was already capable of networking, but I learned to network for political reasons. And now I'm looking at my second run for state senate. Um, to that note, I do want to talk about uh, redistricting for a little bit. Um, Fantastic. Great segue, Thomas. Last cycle, I ran for District 52. Uh, district 52 is the district I live in. Um, it's stayed relatively the same size and shape for the most part over the last few decades. But uh, this year is a redistricting year. Um, it's, it's a very interesting redistricting year here in New York because for the first time, the Democrats do have control of the entire legislature. They've got two thirds. Um, they've already um, suggested doing away with the independent redistricting board so that they can just redistrict the way they want. And so now nobody really knows what's going to happen. It could be fair about it. It could be relatively the same for our Senate districts, slight tweaks here and there. Um, or they could take out their big chalkboard eraser and do the whole thing. So currently, I am still acting as if I'm running for District 52 um, because it doesn't make sense to change that until I know what district I'm in. Um, you may see my district change. That's not because I changed where I live. That's because the state government of New York decided to arbitrarily change all the lines. Um, and it will arguably be in their favor. And, you know, there are a lot of Democrats that I, I, I get along with in certain circles on certain topics. And there are there's certainly ways to move forward where we agree there. And I'm all about it. Um, but let's face it. New York is a very powerful state. As is California, Texas, and Florida. Uh, Pennsylvania also fairly powerful. Um, what we do matters. What policy comes out of our states matters to the entire country because we Absolutely. are powerful states because we are powerful states we one there's the optics of setting an example 
Um, but two, really, it, it, it's it's our leverage at the federal level. Um, it, we need to stop bad policy. We need to stop the problems here in battleground states like New York. Um, so if that's if that's not enough reason to go to TomFor52.com and make a donation or buy a piece of merchandise, then I don't know what it is. So that's the best ask I'm going to make. If you want to stop yeah. everything that we've been seeing lately, we have to change states like New York. And we have to do it through the legislature and the governor races. That's where it is. Yeah. So New York State is in an absolute landslide, destructive massacre right now. Uh, they have so, you, I say they, I mean y'all, have so many issues that are just that feel somewhat beyond control, but that's not true. Uh, Johnny, we will get to that in a bit. I assume it means for governor. The, the, the thing about what you're looking at when it comes to New York, and, and I know most people know this, but if you don't, let's just evaluate it for just a second. And then I want to get back to Tom. Uh, the things that happen in the state of New York and the things that happen in the state of California seem to trend amongst the rest of the country, especially in heavy populated city states, right? We, obviously, every state has a city or two, but there's some that have many cities. There's some that have very few, but you can watch the trend of what's going on in New York State and what's going on in California, but specifically New York State right now. It's almost as if whatever happens in New York tends to trend in the rest of the country. Yeah. Um, there, there, is, there is some good points, though. Um, some of them are just simple observations. And I'll give you an example. I was at the state fair a couple of weeks ago, and the state police were defying the mask mandates. Nice. Yeah. Makes me happy. Um, <laughs> It's it's gotten old, right? This pandemic here in New York, the the government force to most of us it's gotten old. We've we've reverted back to being human beings again. Yep. We, we're no longer test subjects in a psychological experiment waged yep. through the media and and arguably just your massive irresponsibility by those in charge. Um yep. We are now at the point where no matter what we think about it, masks or no masks, vaccines or non-vaccines, we're at the point where we're creating each other respect again because we are broken down. Our economy has gone to hell. We lost over 100,000 small businesses across New York State in the first six months of this situation. Uh, that's, that's absurd. And when you do something to undo this, we have food supply issues. Not because of a lack of food, but because of what the government has done to affect the labor force. Um, there are places, not just in New York, but around the country, where they, they should have the food. It exists. It's just not getting to where it needs to be. And, and pretty soon, it's going to change the other way. And it, not only will it not get there, but it won't be produced. And we right. need to localize our food supplies. I, I would argue across the entire country. 
we should have as localized a food supply as possible. Granted, there are some states that are not capable of producing as much of the same kinds of things as, as others, but I would argue that every state could produce something and localize it. And here in New York, we have excellent opportunities for that. We, we have over 7 million acres of agricultural land that should be very productive and is largely going unused. And that's partly because of the, the, the rate of taxation. Most people are giving up their lands because rather than handing the tax burden down to their children, the children don't want that tax burden. Right. Um, the regulations on small farms and, and what they have to do and how they have to do it to sell their product is ridiculous. Uh, you know, we have this upstate downstate divide and I see it a different way. We need to start bridging those, we, those gaps. When you start making those connections, um, downstate has a, has a very big restaurant business, or at least it did. And it could again, that was demanding local, fresh, higher quality farm to table products that we're perfectly capable of producing. We're, we're more than capable of producing it. Not only are we capable of producing these products, but they have a higher value. And they're in demand very close to us. In today's yep. world of food supply, a four-hour drive is not a big trip. I mean, a lot of your steak in the store comes from other countries. I, I would I would sooner take the one that came from the same state. And that's why I have um, this concept of New York Fresh. And it's similar. There are other states who have done similar things. All it states is that if New York's own health standards are followed, the product is produced, sold, and consumed in New York. Well, all of those things are checked off, but it does not need to fall under the USDA regulations that detriment the animal, stress out the animal, lower the quality of the product, and increase the price, and make it almost impossible to take it to market in the means that's, that's profitable for the farmer. We need to be paying more for our food, but at the same time, our food needs to be not artificially inflated by this overly burdensome regulations. So as we dive off into the old agricultural aspect of um, what's going on in your state, I'd like to you know, give kind of first off, let everybody know that you can donate to, um, to Bill who needs a new wheelchair that was hit by a car. He needs that tremendously. We've already raised a ton of money and we're probably creeping up on halfway there to what he needs. So go check that link out. It's in many in the comments many times, probably pinned at the top. So please donate there. If you haven't donated to Tom for 52.com, at the very least, share Tom for 52.com, share the GoFundMe link for Bill. And um, let, let's see what we can get going there because I already know that we will not only meet the needs of these folks, we will exceed them. And then we will figure out how to go from there after we have exceeded the monetary goals because there are more goals and needs and things that have to happen with, with these people that I said, these people that probably sounded wrong to some folks, but you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about these people, the two I'm talking about. So please go donate, share, do all of those things. Tom for 52.com. And there's the, uh, the, the link for bill up in the top comment section. I do want to, I, I want to bring this to your attention, Tom. And, and I want to hear your, 
your perspective on it as we're talking about agriculture and cannabis in the state of New York and the things that you're just highly accomplished with? So I don't have a lot of experience with hemp batteries, uh, but that's a, that's awesome that that's a thing. Um, I, I know several things about hemp and cannabis in general. Um, when New York rolled out its first attempt at, at hemp production, it cost a half a million dollars per person or entity to file for a permit to grow hemp. Most of them did not receive a permit, but that half a million dollars was gone. Then they're held to, to very strict regulations on the THC uh, to, be, to be commercial hemp. It, it has to be less than 0.03% THC. And they do test, which you have to pay for. Farmer pays for the test. Shocker. Shocker. Right. Um, guess what happens if it comes in at like, you know, 0.04% THC? Uh, you either get shut down or fined or both. Okay. So n not quite, but worse. Um, oh, God. Yeah. So this hemp, right? It, it, they don't want it to be consumed by people because it's 0.04%, right? Well, that, that hemp's still good as cattle feed. You can still till it into the land to improve the dirt. The farmers had got a huge investment, a year investment in that crop. What do they do? They make them burn it all. They make them burn it all. A year of his life, a year investment over a smidgen of a percentage. On top of the half a million dollar permit. And they made it burn it. That this so, uh, state. Hold on, first, hold, gets worse. hold on a second. Let, 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 let everyone absorb this for a second because there's going to be people that watch this show in this episode that aren't libertarians, right? So let's let's speak to them for a second about this atrocity that you just laid out here. You're telling me that instead of letting people help people, the government stepped in and decided to burn all the crops because they didn't oblige to the regulations that the government set forth, which were incoherent and, and stupid in the first place. It's actually even worse. They make the farmer burn it. They make the farmer that blood, literally blood and sweat to help people burn their own crops because they didn't fall in line with some arbitrary, ridiculous, nonsensical laws that have no bearing on the subject matter at all. Am I correct here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Right, and that sounds terrible, right? A, a, a portion of these hemp farmers just like lost everything or at least a year's worth of everything. That sounds terrible. There were a lot of farmers had successful crops that, that, that cut the mustard, right, by state rights. Sadly, though. It's unbelievable. Oh, no, it gets, it gets, it gets worse. So all these successfully uh, farmed crops of hemp ended up sitting still doing nothing we're going nowhere uh because the processing plants uh were, were not were not assisted in in 
assisted, allowed, right? They didn't allow the exactly. processing plants to come through. What can you do with a product that needs to be processed if you can't process it? Nothing. Um, so, yeah. Um, talk about a folly. Now, now they've legalized cannabis. Um, again, with heavy restrictions. Um, they don't sound heavy to people who don't understand medicinal cannabis. Um, but the amounts that they allow you to grow at once and the amounts that they allow you to hold at once are nothing. They, they are nothing to a heavy medicinal patient. Someone going through chemo with, 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 with cancer, um, someone in my condition, um, someone in many conditions, it's arguably not enough. Um, they also... I, I was talking to some leaders in the cannabis industry who own these these large multi-state companies where it's becoming legal. You know, they, it's the economy. They, they're just uh, stepping into the business. They're, they're really trying to grow something. They won't come to New York. They don't want to come to New York. They don't want to be in New York. Why don't they want to be in New York? Because the tax code associated with legalizing it here is, and I am quoting someone, the most convoluted, asinine tax code for cannabis on the planet. Good hmm. old New York, who passes a budget greater than all but five nations on Earth, also has the worst tax code for medicine. So let me ask you this, and I think I know the answer, but I don't want to assume. And I don't want anybody else to assume, although we're probably all assuming. And that's fine. Why? Why do they do this? Is it because of the monetary value that comes with being hitched to Big Pharma? Or is it more complicated than that? Is it easier than that? What? Why? What, 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 why? why? So the, there's, there's a number of industries that lobby against cannabis legalization or cannabis decriminalization and lobby in favor of heavy regulations and heavy taxes. Um, alcohol and tobacco, yeah, they lobby against cannabis heavily. Um, you know, sugar companies, not so much. Hmm. <laughs> um, I wonder why. Pretty sure Doritos is on board with full decriminalization. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the medicine factor. Um, we, we see, Sarah is right, um, we see that pharmaceutical companies and now even cigarette companies are trying to lock down the quote legal market, right? Um, pharmaceutical companies want you to have an overly processed, overly synthesized, garbagey, not full plant medicine that they have patented. Um, and cigarette companies wanna wanna sell you pre-rolled joints, probably with cannabis as low of quality as much of the tobacco they use. You think? A lot, of, a lot of people don't understand how low quality that tobacco is. Fine tobacco, nothing like what you buy at the convenience store. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Tobacco should be much healthier, and people don't realize it. Well, not healthier, but much less dangerous, and people don't even realize it. 
So, so now, 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 now we think about New York, right? We think about its climate. We think, we think about the fact that it, it, it's got all of this millions of acres of viable agricultural land. We think about the healthcare system being overburdensome. We think about cannabis as a as a viable, cheap alternative in many cases, uh, as well as a treatment for addiction and the whole nine. Oh, it just goes on. The value in cannabis is unheard of. Um, and we think about the benefit this could be to all people. We think about the fact that this could become an export for the state. We, we think about the fact that cannabis literally grows anywhere. If you know what you're doing, you can grow it yep. anywhere. Oh, wait, it's also good for the environment. It revitalizes the land. Huh. But Shocker. no, I mean, we wouldn't want to do that in New York, right? Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that this big of a solution is sitting right there. And nobody can see it because of all the red tape. It's just a big ball of red tape, and nobody can see it. Is it really? Is it really that shocking, though? I mean, the number one reason that we have this issue right now—let's be honest here—it's—it's it's not because of libertarians. No, it's because of propaganda. Yeah, it, it's because you have news outlets and media's, specifically right wing. Talking about, oh, if we did this, and you just have a bunch of stoners running around. Which you is know what they don't talk about? You know what they don't talk about? What's that? The fact that when I was 10 years old, 1993, my orthopedic surgeon recommended cannabis because of how badly the orthopedics were doing me. Love this story. Tell it. Tell the story. Do the thing. So, um, doctors began prescribing me opiates, and, and when I was eight years old, it was the first time I was prescribed an overdose. It did not do me well. I won't get into all the horrible details, but it was not a fun time. Um, and then when I was 10 years old, my orthopedic surgeon, risking his livelihood, risking his license, potentially risking his freedom, pulled the 10-year-old disabled kid aside quietly and no one else could hear and said, you should consider trying cannabis he was an older doctor interesting how somebody older with experience would advise a child to use cannabis in 1993 when it was so very illegal so then later in life right another doctor recommends it and then another and by the time i was 13 i was a cannabis patient I was using cannabis for my pain. I was using cannabis for my anxiety. Uh, right now, I, I'm largely into CBD, and I am a 25-year cannabis patient. I am also not supposed to be alive today by medical standards many times over um, because of my condition. Still here. A couple of years ago, I got in the Libertarian Party. And you're working on a presidential campaign. And I find out there's a study out of another country that their government had made it impossible to study cannabis like they had here. Or so hard, anyhow. And 
the studies points out that CBD helps mineralize bone, decreases the healing time for bone fractures, increases the strength of healed bone after a fracture. And the number one symptom of my genetic condition is broken bones. I had over a thousand fractures by the time I was 16. Couldn't tell you how many now. Don't care. Think about that. It directly heals broken bones. It directly makes stronger connections for fractured bone. It decreases the healing time. It takes away pain and suffering on a scale like no other, and we've made it illegal and hard to get. Today it is overtaxed. Today it is overregulated. Um, and, you know, it should be a cottage industry here in New York Bay. We, we should all be developing our own. We should all be treating it like a nursery plant and, and seeing what we can do with it. If you get into reading about the latest in cannabis, you will find out about things like CBG. Yep. That's a, that's a cannabinoid that has absolutely no, psycho, no psychoactive effects. It is the precursor to both CBD and THC. So that means it occurs earlier in the plant's life. It then later becomes THC and CBD. However, we have now developed strains that have high CBG at the end of harvest and methods for harvesting CBG. CBG has the broad spectrum effects of both CBD and THC. And it's not psychoactive. We know this. This has been proven. Where is it? Where is it? If they're so worried about people getting stoned, where is it? Why don't we all know CBG? So let me let me ask you this. What... It, it, let me re, let me rephrase the question here. Is there any other reason that you can see as somebody who's been through an enormous amount of medical treatment and medical necessity through your lifetime? Is there any other reason that cannabis is not a prominent medical prescription and answer? To many illnesses, except for the fact that it benefits big pharma. Why else would it be illegal? Now, I want to learn here. I'm, I'm truly asking, what is the reason? So, the reason today is power and control. Heartless power and control. Whether it's the big pharma or the politicians tied with them. Or, or just the general nature of the industry in the healthcare field. Um, yeah, it's power and control in a heartless manner. Um, but the, uh, the antiquated reason, right, if we go back in time, is actually racism. People don't realize that. Um, it was anti-Mexican propaganda. Um, I do believe Mexico was go undergoing a revolution, and our government was afraid of what they would do. And so they made cannabis illegal because Mexico, who, ugh. I don't know. But uh, surprisingly enough, if you do smoke cannabis, um, you will not start dancing and shoot the piano player like our government once tried to tell us all. 
for those of you who don't know, that was a movie called Reefer Madness. It was propaganda against cannabis. It's all this black and white. You can find it. They literally try to tell you that if you smoke cannabis, you're going to start dancing and just pull out a revolver and shoot the guy playing the piano because that's what cannabis does to good kids all of a sudden. Like that. They did that. They did that. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, why? It's, it, the answer has always been heartless power and control. Heartless power and control. There's no other reason for it. So, so you're telling me that the entire reason behind it is because of the fact that they were going to appeal to the right authoritarianism of the country and the facts that they're they're literally playing off the fear porn of what cannabis actually isn't it doesn't do that's it right while simultaneously messaging the right right it's got to be regulated it's got to be processed in an fda approved lab because we trust the FDA. If it weren't for the FDA, how would we all not, or how would we all know that a Pop Tart is healthier than an avocado? Because that's what the FDA tells us. The FDA tells us that a Pop Tart is healthier than an avocado. And, and so they're also appealing to the left, right? Regulate it, make sure it's exactly. safe. Right? Well, you know, they did the same thing to me. I defied the FDA when I was 15 years old. 15 years old, I found a way around the federal government. There was a treatment for bone density that have been used in other low bone density disorders since the 70s. But to get it, I had to go through Canada. That makes sense. No, it doesn't. Especially when it's manufactured here. And that, that that's where I was really kind of heading is the regulatory nonsense and um, red tape that is our government. It crosses the entire political spectrum. As Thomas just so succinctly <laughs> highlighted, like quite literally, they can package and process and, and, and put this message out there and it will appeal to all fronts. It doesn't matter if you're right, left, does not matter. They can say, oh, it needs to be FDA regulated. Oh, it, it should be, it, we should make it illegal because it's creating stoners. None of which is applicable, none of which is scientific. FDA regulation is a joke. And, and when I try to put this across to people, I, I talk about hip replacements. Um, there, there's a nice incident of hip replacements. Um, so the way the FDA tends to work, whenever it can work this way, um, long time ago, somebody invented the first hip replacement. You can imagine, you know, it was probably many decades ago, and compared to today's technology, we consider pretty crude, right? We advance, yeah. we improve, right? So the next hip replacement comes along, right? It's a big arduous process to do. Let's see. Does it have one thing in common with the first? Oh, it's got this one little thing in common with the first one. So automatic approval. And then another hip replacement. Oh, wait, it's got one thing in common with the second. Oh, yep, automatically approved. No study. Precedent. No study, automatically approved. Yep. Eventually, You're talking about eventually, we got to a point where a hip replacement that contained cobalt was approved in that manner without testing. And it led to millions of people 
who are elderly getting cobalt poisoning, which happens to present like dementia. So we have millions of people falsely diagnosed with dementia because they had cobalt in their systems because of the FDA. How many drugs do you see get pulled by the FDA, you know, after the FDA approves them? Hmm. Seems like we see that a lot, right? Really? Yeah. We're going to approve this. We know we were wrong. How much money can we make in between approving and denying approval? How much money can be made in that time frame? And, and how much harm is done through a government we system? Are, you are 100% spot on. We are going to stay away from the obvious scenario that is taking place and unfolding right now. <clears throat> but yeah, we, don't but even, buzzers, we, we, right? don't, we don't need to go into it because you already know. You, you already I, know. Every, everything I'm talking about predates 2020. Systems were already behaving this way. Exactly. The systems were already behaving this way and for very, very obvious and intentional reasons. Um, I want to get back to some of this real quick. Let's play some. Uh, I have been at, let me apologize to everyone. I have been terrible at making sure that the anchor column moments get played. And so now that I'm thinking about it, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and play some of those. Oh, how many? Or at you? least one. Oh, come on. We how many? Time? How many? I think that for this segment, we only have one. Really? Only JP? Only JP. And I am nervous. And JP is in the comments right here. You may be entitled to... Where'd you go, Tom? Oh, I'm just... Move to your right. Move to your right. We can't see you. I, I do understand this. Okay. All right. I won't be JP, right with you may be entitled to compensation if you took. Yes. Many thanks. I had to get a snack. What is that snack? Tell us. Cake. Is it, is it infused? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Not infused. Probably infused. So, let's get to JP Stevens, anchor. Calling moment for Thomas Daniel Quitter. This is JP from, well, you know, the thing. But yes, um, if Thomas hasn't brought this up, um, the fact that he's an amateur chef, like, dude is cooking some crazy awesome stuff. And uh, yeah, I kind of want to know, like, where he got his love from cooking from. Thanks. I love that. That's an easy question to answer, actually. Um, being poor. Growing up poor. Yep, no, growing, growing up the way I did. Um, remember I said earlier, every dollar you can save is as good as two earned. Save a lot of money producing your own food. Better quality food tastes better. And when it's something that you've produced it's your accomplishment you're proud of it you treasure it 
you make the most of it, and you want it to be delicious no matter what. So when you have produced your own, nothing will ever taste as good as that. Um, and you really want to respect it, right? You don't want to ruin it. You put all that effort into it, growing it all season long. So you learn. Um, I know I was only, I was very, very young, less than five years old. Um, when I started helping process vegetables in the kitchen, we, we canned and froze most of the food for the winter, um, including meat. <laughs> oh, JP. Um, love you, JP. You're awesome, man. So my love for food came from my love for producing food. I know I was less nice. than two years old when I started working in the garden. I, I I was born tenacious, I guess is the only way to put that. Um, you know, I, I was very, very, very fragile as a young child. You, you couldn't even believe how fragile I was to the point where my parents were scared to death to pick me up um, because phones break. But I want to do things. I don't want to still. I don't like a padded box. Um, they pretty much learned quickly that I was not a child that you could keep out of things. So it was best to involve me. Keep me occupied with the things I want to be occupied with. So I ended up weeding in the garden and cutting the corn off the cob, things like that. And uh, later in life, you know, butchery, because we, we produce a lot of our own meat. We, we hunt. Um, and then there's, you know, the other reason is store food. I don't like food from the store, for the most part. Uh, it's not good quality. Uh, the meat aisle looks like a bunch of suffering animals to me, because I know what it's supposed to look like. I'm not exactly like a, an animal rights activist, but I'm definitely against the way um, big food production has gone with some things. Wait, so you're no, telling uh, me that you 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 want to have some traditionally fiscal monetary responsibility, but you also want to care about humanitarian and uh, animal rights issues is the, the, that can't be possible. Well, so it's actually uh, much more possible on a, on a smaller farming scale. Just kind of what I, I, I'm getting at here. Um, when you raise the animal that you have to eat, you respect that animal. You love that animal. You give that animal a good life, and you butcher it properly. And you utilize it fully. You don't throw any in the garbage. Um, you do every possible thing you can to ensure that taking that animal's life was of the most value possible. Or you, you understand that something you've nurtured and loved has just given its life for you and your needs. And it means something. You go to the store and buy a steak. I doubt you named that steak. I doubt you pet it. 
I, I doubt you fed it from a bottle when it was a baby. I, I, I absolutely doubt that you cared about that animal. Um, hmm. and, and that's just the way of life that I know. And, and so, so, I, so again, you know, if you're raising your own meat or, or, or taking game, you're getting a better product. You're, you're, you're celebrating in your own accomplishment. And it means more. It means more than, than anything you could buy in a store. So are you telling me, and look, obviously this is a bit satirical here, and facetious, or it 100% is. You're telling me that uh, we could remove government from the situation and then we could actually raise our own food and be more compassionate to the animals on which we own and provide for? There's no way, right? No, it, it would be more sustainable. It would be more ethical. It would be better for the environment. It would be healthier for us. And yet, oh, there are government hurdles to us having that. Are there? Yeah. Seems like the biggest hurdle to accomplishing that goal. Am I wrong? Pretty much. I mean, it's actually many hurdles, not just one. Our, our government is many hurdles in all things. You know what? Ed, nobody knows that more, but someone living on disability welfare, I hate to always come back to this, but I mean, it's a lot of work to be on welfare. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of appointments. It, it's it's better than a part-time job, uh, but it doesn't pay as well. You. You have to make those phone calls. You, you you have to do this paperwork. You you have to be here and there and everywhere when you're told. And at the same time, you're also suffering from a medical condition. And it might actually hurt you to keep up with these things. And and they do. <laughs> Justin is correct. Um you know. It's how do I say this so that everyone understands? Your income is restricted, your ability to provide for yourself, your family, your community is restricted. It restricts your community resources because. Any labor you could provide for whatever price you could get or negotiate is a community resource. But it's so convoluted. It's so difficult. I mean, I mean the government has made it so difficult. That they employ, quote, experts to help you with this. And it's actually gotten so difficult beyond that, that these experts fail at it constantly. I have a network of social workers who are always ask me for the workaround solutions, right? The shit they're not supposed to be doing. Sometimes they're not even allowed to do it, and they're still doing it because they got into it to care. Hmm. That's why volunteers, right? If you solve the problem, then you don't have to go through that hassle. You don't have to pay more than it's worth. And it's going to get a better result. And that's just a fact. We've seen it time and time 
again, don't let the media apparatus, which is really just the propagandist arm, propaganda arm for government, to tell you otherwise. The fact yeah, remains is that been. it always has been. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I want to point out, though, you know, I just railed against the systems like a true libertarian, right? I, I said everything but end welfare now. And that's actually a message I disagree with. We, we can't just flip this switch, right? It, it, as hurt as I am by the systems, as, as much of a struggle as I've spent my entire life against the government while dealing with my condition, um, I would never just turn off that switch. You can't do that. You have to be a little more pragmatic. You have to be a little more gradual. You have to be along the lines of giving people options, right? Give them options that are that are that are more cost effective and give them a better result. That that's my initiative. Um, and and let, let let's finally start to wean our population off of these 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 cantankerous, flawed, failing systems that cannot survive the next century. They can't. I mean, we either fix them now or we lose them soon. It's all yeah, there is to and so something that you bring up quite often and is very applicable. We, um, we need volunteerism because what we're doing right now is, it, is it, look, we can sugarcoat it all we want. The fact of the matter remains is that Government programs are not counterproductive. Or I'm I mean, sorry, they are not um, productive. Yeah, they're, they're, unproductive. They don't... It, yeah, productive at all. They are yeah. counterproductive. So, you know, um, but they also create the, the reason for themselves, right? Cyclical uh, welfare creates the situation that demands welfare that creates a situation that demands well you see how this goes um sorry that's a great comment yeah no he's right i've seen the same thing many times um been that guy by the way not a cow but yeah um so we really need to ask ourselves are we doing the right thing? Are we making the right steps in the right directions for all of the individuals? And we need to remember, is our government protecting our rights? Because that's what it's designed to do. That's what we formed it to do. It was supposed to be a minimal government that did nothing but protect our rights. Um, our listed rights that the, that the founders thought were were necessary for a free society, uh, but also our enumerated or unlisted rights, rights that maybe we hadn't conceived of, maybe uh, because of technology hadn't come about yet, um, rights that, that, that they could not think of were still rights. It, that's why it says that. And we need to we need to ask ourselves: Are we going in a direction that's pro or anti freedoms, liberties, and most importantly, individual rights? 
right. I would. Let let me argue this too, um, just for the sake of it, right? I, I would argue humanitarian rights. Human. This is humanitarian rights that your government are posing these inflictions, literally inflictions on us to block humanitarian efforts. That's a big deal. Big deal. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Keep the homeless in places. Yeah, we see it down here. Quite literally, in the South. That's terrible. Horrible. Um, it, it's illegal for social workers in New York, certain ones anyhow that I've spoken to, um, they have to sign something that says that they will not do anything that competes with Medicaid and Medicare. That means they can't advise crowdfunding. They can't partake in crowdfunding. These are the same people who, who spend their time getting to know an individual in a disability situation or whatever situation, and understanding that they are in pain or they are in need and you need help, and they file all the paperwork through the systems. They spend the hours and hours in the brick and mortar buildings that still cost us a ton of money for the system to say, nope, to this social worker, kind-hearted person got into the business to help not to make money they don't get into that business to make money there's no money in it right now this person has to go back to the individual whether they're disabled or whatever the situation is the individual they know the individual they become friends with the individual who's suffering in need they and only they know better than anybody else in the system and they have to say sorry i can't help you Can you imagine the heartache in our social workers across this country that are so often going back to people that they know are in need and saying, I'm not allowed to help you? Yep. That's that that's a big deal that you've expressed many times. Um, and I think that is suffice it to say it is a big deal for someone who deals with social workers all the time, all the time, all the time. Uh, these people put in hours and hours upon years, months, in, in order to become social workers and help people like Thomas and to help people like Bill. And if you're not aware, you can scroll through the comments. It should be tied to the top of the comment section to where we can help him get a new wheelchair. We've probably raised almost half of what he needs in several short weeks. Phenomenal. Sure. But I, I don't want to lose I don't want to lose sight of the fact that people are out there willing to help. Most social workers they get into the business because they want to help and they are literally being handcuffed, strangulated by their own government which is their boss quite yeah. a literal and they end up in a situation where they also need their job yeah, right they need their, of course I, they need their job I, we I, all I, need I, our jobs life progresses people get married people have children even social workers right so maybe they didn't start out they had children but uh you know they're 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 embedded into a system that's paying them that they hate but that pays their bills and what happens is that they 
there's a term that I've coined for it, they go dead in the eye, right? That gum new social workers in particular are so bright and energetic. They care so much, and they're just, they're, they're just ready to go after it. Give them 10 years, and some of them become a little complacent. They still understand all the problems, but they're there because they're the, the help that they can do, right? Um, and then others become, it's almost like they compartmentalize. And, and it's just looking straight forward, doing paperwork, looking straight forward, doing paperwork, looking straight forward, doing paperwork. They've learned to not see the individuals because of their experience that hurt them inside so badly of getting to know those individuals and not being able to help them. It's remarkable. I mean, what you just said was just remarkable. I, I, I hope that that goes out to every Republican and Democrat that doesn't understand what we're dealing with when it comes to bureaucracy and red tape. I really hope this comes out to the people that have this misconception of what social workers really embed themselves into, you know, countless hours of, of, of study in school. And then just to be forced into a government system, coerced, you know, that's all, that's the only job you really have. I mean, it's really it. You have to go work for the government. They get into it involved. They want to be involved in people's lives and to help. And then my God, they get crushed by the system. All of us do. I, I would argue that, that that what our government does to social workers in some instances is nothing short of a crime against humanity. It, it's torture. It's it's psychological yeah. pain. But they have a higher rate of rollover because of psychological issues. Suicide rates are higher. Uh, I mean, they're dealing with the worst situations and they're treated like shit and they're not allowed to help. For a person that cares, that's the worst situation in the world. Especially when you get into the business to help, yeah. and you're being you're having your throat cut by government bureaucracy because it doesn't fit the politicians or elected. I won't say leaders. Politi- politicians are not leaders. They're not. Politicians are there to do what they were voted in to do. Sorry, Thomas, <laughs> you're running for I, I, office. You're but... Absolutely right. Uh, a, a good politician. I guess if there is one, is a representative, right? That they, they address the issues of the district. They listen to the concerns that the people have, and and they they do their best to to mitigate between the problems that exist and the solutions that can be had. <clears throat> you know, one of the first signs of a really bad po- politician. Is if they tell you, well, if you vote me in, everything will be fine. Okay, one politician can't do that. One politician can't change everything. Not even if it's the president of the United States. That's right. One politician can't do dick for you unless he can uh, get some other politicians to agree. Uh, unless he can make sense, unless he can be loud, unless he can talk to the press, 
unless he's willing to take that podium and call out every single person around him who may just want his head for it. If you're not willing to do that, you're not being a representative. Sarah is right. You know, Spike Cohen, our vice president, president Tongue tied. Vice presidential candidate in 2020, you know, he went around the country and he kept telling everybody, you are the power. You have the vote. You make the decision. You are the power. And I'll add, you are the solution. You have the time. You can donate. You can do volunteer work. You can choose to help someone today. Whether it's 10 bucks to a GoFundMe or mowing your neighbor's lawn because she's 87. Whatever it is, there's something you can do. Help someone today and live with yourself tomorrow. Uh, you are the power, but you are also the solution. Without you, there is no solution. Can't rely on somebody else for everything. You are the solution. And I think at an hour and almost 40 minutes, that's a phenomenal mic drop. Well, Cajun, I really want to thank you for having me here. Um, but, you know, I got to get my beauty rest, maintain the hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> takes a lot of work. You, yeah. And now you're going to try to flex the beard? Well, I don't have to. It's there. They can see it. They know. Mine's all black. I was voted most libertarian beard in my state. Just throwing that out there. It's New York, though. Oh, you gotta come to New York. It's it's New York. Have you ever been to rural New York? Have you been to South Louisiana? Have you been to rural New York? Have you been because I don't, I, we, I don't we just keep playing this game, right? Right, but my point is, there's not a big difference. No, it's not that, that's the issue that I have with people that take you know, think that their little area situation is very different. There are pockets of very different. Well, um, we're, we're both uh, largely rural people, right? Yeah, we're, we're both people who, who eat whatever is handy off the land. I like alligator, by the way. Um, yeah, you're welcome. And I do like crawfish. Ah, you're also welcome. <laughs> I don't like New York State policy. And so that's why I am advocating for TomFor52.com. Pretty easy. T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. Backslash FTG or some. Some sort of slash FTG. I keep saying backslash. I don't think that's right, but who cares? It's probably I do believe it right is a enough. forward slash, but the easy oh. way around to just say slash. Slash. But I backslash sounds so much better. Yeah. All right. FTG.com slash FTG. Thomas, thank you for spending such a long uh, this is the long, uh, one of the longest interviews I've ever had, but for phenomenal and fantastic reasons. Thank you for hanging out with us for so long. 
Um, I know you got to get to bed. Or I'm going to get to work. Food. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. My, my days don't have. No, no. You got work to do, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And um, obviously, we'll have you on again. You're, you're my homie. For those of you that don't know that missed the front of the show, uh, Thomas and I are friends, like real friends. We text privately and and send each other gifts and, and do do things for each other that only friends do. And so... This is a non-romantic friendship. I want to be clear after what Gage just said. Oh, it's full homo. Don't listen. To, <laughs> disregard everything you just said. Full homo. It's it's absolutely just yeah. My I wife watching the show, sexy. so I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> I said I can't help it if I'm sexy. <laughs> That's nice. Yes, indeed. So please go tuck. Go check out the uh, the website tomfor52.com and let's get this man elected. Also, if you go back to the beginning of the comments, you can see that we have the fundraiser for Bill, who is in desperate need of a new wheelchair after be- being hit by a car. That's brutal. And so okay. we have raised a lot of money for Bill already. And we are going to finish that off for him. We are also going to continue to raise more than enough money and time and resources and personnel for Tom for 52.com. That's T-O-M-F-O-R-5-2.com. And if you want to submit a meme, slash F-T-G. Meme contest. My wife was one of the or one of two winners of the first meme contest. And her meme will go on his shirt. If you didn't know, Thomas Daniel Queter is a celebritarian, but for real reasons, right? Not because he sits on the internet and runs his mouth, but because he is in his community doing the real things and the real work. So, Tom, as we wrap this up at 145, last words, please, sir. You know, help someone today live with yourself tomorrow. Um, Saving a dollar is as good as earning two. What we can do for ourselves, our communities, our neighbors, is far better than anything the government will ever be able to do for us. It will have a lower price price tag, and it will have a better result. So whenever you can, wherever you can, help those who matter to you. Help those around you. Recognize the value in those you can help. And... Practice volunteerism. We really got to hit this from all sides. Well, I go to Albany and try to lower your taxes. You need to go to the streets and to the community and to your neighbors and try to try to starve Albany of the reason for taking those taxes. You're doing it better for less because libertarians do more with less. And Tom does run better than the government. That is a fact. He also runs better than Albany. And so we will check back up with you very soon, Tom, probably multiple times, even though you did fall asleep on us during Jeopardy. Um, 
less well, edibles. I work hard and I do eat cannabis. <laughs> less edibles when you're going to go on Libertarian Jeopardy Live. I'm messing with you, obviously. Um, yes, right. as one of my teammates put, five bucks is five bucks. It is. Exactly. So please donate to TomFor52.com and go to the Let's see if I can find it real quick. It's in the comment section, pinned to the top. Donate to Bill. We're almost there with what he needs. Man, Thomas, thank you for coming on. Thank you for spending almost two hours with us here and just talking. I mean, incredible. I figured it would go this way. You never know, right? But I I thought... Personally, amazing conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And we'll have you on again here real soon. And then again, right before the race, so that we can understand exactly what you need as we travel this path for you to get elected to the 52nd District of New York State Senate. We will get Tom elected. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you real soon. Absolutely amazing. Fantastic interview. Um, I love to say, as always, because all of my interviews are awesome, but, man, it's Tom. It's Tom Queter. Dude's phenomenal. And he needs to be propped up. He needs to be propped up. Dude's incredible. We, we need his voice out there. We need it out there far, large, and wide. That's what she said. Shouldn't have made a joke there about that, but I did. So, Cajun Libertarian Live, Thomas Daniel Queter, Tom for 52.com, T O M F O R 52.com. Yes, he is a personal friend of mine, but the reason he is a personal friend of mine is because I believe in him. I have several personal friends that I will promote here. And I will promote anybody that has great ideas, pretty much. But as far as knowing people, right? Kareem, whoop, hit the wrong one. So many comments. It's amazing how many people watch this show. It's, it's brand new. It's brand new. This show hasn't even hit six months yet. And all of y'all are here. It's because of people like Thomas. Thank you, Kareem. Yes, Thomas. Amazing. Just made a donation to Tom's campaign. Janice, you are a freaking phenomenal fundraiser. You are incredible. Kareem, he's the man. Yes, he is. He, it's huge. It's huge. Okay, right. You've all seen it. Yeah, you, you all saw the interview with Thomas Daniel Queter. It's it's literally it's literally one of the best interviews you've ever seen. Okay, all right. And it, it's just it's just, don't let the fake news tell you anything different than a phenomenal interview and. Thomas Thomas Daniel Queter is a phenomenal human being and 
Just an incredible interview. We need this. We need this spread far and wide. So thank you very much for watching. If you would like to donate to the show, PayPal, Cajun Libertarian. If you, please, please. Okay, look, everybody knows what's going on with big tech right now. Okay, this isn't a secret. They are literally, <laughs> Republicans slash conservatives think that they're getting silenced. Libertarians have been getting silenced for a lot longer, right? And there's a potential that my YouTube, Twitter, Facebook will get shut down. So we are working towards pushing all of the content plus blogs to CajunLibertarian.com. And you can also purchase merchandise there. We just had many people bid on the hat right here, right? CajunLibertarian.com. This is the original hat. It was one. It will be shipped out. I have another one as a replacement that I had specially made. This is the kind of stuff you guys do. You donate even to worthless, worthless hats like this. It's, it's incredible. The, the volunteerism and the heart and the compassion and the empathy is incredible. I can't thank you enough. Go to CajunLibertarian.com. Buy some merchandise if you want it. Subscribe to the website. Incredible. Got four comments. We're going to check them. And then we're going to log off. Tanya, because we love you. Yes, I love you all very much. Say it every episode. It's true. JP podcast going so long the case is getting drunk with sleep deprivation. No, I uh I, I I had a major apartment complex that I had to take care of today. And so I was already kind of burnt up when I entered it. And so it is what it is. Huge, huge apartment complex today. And so it, it just um Cajunlibertarian.com. Thank you, Kareem. Yeah, I'm always going to be. When, when I get out of August, things are going to be a little bit better, I uh, promise. But for right now, I, it, I guess we're September right now. I've got one more complex to do. And it's just, I work a set, I'd like to say nine to five. It's not a nine to five. I leave usually by seven and I usually get home after six. And that's a lot of work outside in the South Mississippi heat. And I do that pretty much every day. So, yes, you have, Tanya. Thank you. You have been a fan since the beginning. Facts. I will send you a hat. This hat was auctioned off, raffled off. So this original Cajun Libertarian hat has been won. And the winner of the raffle will get said hat. The money from the raffle has already been distributed to the family in need that family in need was um somebody who needs some financial support in the court arena to keep their children and 
They're a huge fan and supporters of Muddy Waters Media. And I was very happy to do this for them. I really, really am. And as you can hear, I'm losing my voice because it has been a very rough day. It's been a very rough month between the hurricanes and the um, me working in the sun from the break of dawn to dusk, basically. So I am going to get off because I can hardly talk now. Incredible, incredible episode. Incredible, amazing audience. You guys are phenomenal. And I cannot thank you enough of how much you've supported this movement, supported me, and supported people like Bill and like Tom. It's it's unbelievable. I love you very much. I will see y'all. Friday night on Muddied Waters Media, exclusive, always exclusive, with the Cajun and Eskimo show. From bayous to igloos. Going to be an amazing show. Love you very much. I love each and every one of y'all. So I get out here and do this. All the time, three to five nights a week with a 60-hour-a-week job and three kids. I'm not bragging. I'm saying that's how much I care about y'all. That's how much I care about this message. So please, please find the fire and keep it going. I love you very much. I'm out.